This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas Mishpatim, Parshas Mishpatim 5784, here's the Pasuk, everybody, toward the end of the Parsha, Ve'latzile b'nei Yisrael lo shalach yado, to the strong men of b'nei Yisrael, to the great men of b'nei Yisrael, God did not send forth his hand. they saw God, and they ate and they drank. Now, in the Pasuk previous to this one, it says the words, Vayiru eselokim, they saw God. Now, this seems to be a repetition of that, and it seems to be talking about the exact same people. The question that we're going to ask over here is, what is the purpose of this Pusik and the different parts of the Pusik? What exactly are they? So, first, who are the great men of Israel? Who are these great men of Israel, the Atzile Ben Esau, that we talk about over here? Who exactly are we talking about? So, Targum Mughalus just calls them Ravravi. Shari Aaron suggests this means the firstborn, the Bechors. He brings a couple proofs over there. You can check it out over there. But that's the first one. The first one is we're talking about the firstborn of Ben Esau, the Nare Ben Esau, that brought the Korbanos on the Dalit, on Dalit Sivan, according to Rashi. Those are the people that we're talking about over here. Those are the Atzile. Rashi says, the second answer, it's Nadav, Avihu, and the 70 Zikanim. Possibly even Aaron as well. The word Atzil seems to mean great men elsewhere. And Rashi gives a couple rise to that. So that's how it's translated right over here. It sounds like they did something that deserved to be killed for, that they should have been killed for, and yet they weren't killed. That's how Rashi puts it. The Atzil Ibn Israel, those great men, the Orachim HaKadoshad, that HaKadosh Baruch didn't want to kill them in this day. And it's also in Rashi in the previous Pusik, right? Either because they were great men and they would have been mourned for all of, by all of B'nai Yisrael, or because he didn't want to make such a happy day with sadness. And that's pretty obvious. The Ram, Ramban says the word Ne'etzal means to draw in from something from somewhere else. They drew in Ruach HaKodesh, Ruach HaLokim, and that stayed with them forever. That is the Atzile B'nai Yisrael. They drew in some type of Kedusha, and that was with them no matter where they went. This is very similar to Parshat Baloscha, when they 70s of Canaan were made by Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu gave them, by Yotzel Mina Ruach, he gave them from his own spirit and gave it to them. That's the idea of Anna Refersh talks about it as well, but either way, that's where the word Ne'etzal comes from. The Atzile B'nei Yisrael, the people that drew in the Ruach HaKodesh, not just great. Ravigdor Miller means, says it means set aside. Like Esav said, right, to Yaakov, to Yitzchak Avinu, have you set aside a bracha for me? By Yotzel Bracha Achas, right? Is there any bracha you have that was Ne'etzal from me. And that's it. These people were also set aside for greatness. There were great people that were there to show, and it's to show the other people how great you could be if you try hard enough, etc. Stuff like that. The Ibn Ezra says, the reason why it doesn't say the word Zikanim here is to include Nadav and Aviyu. That Nadav and Aviyu are included in that Sile Ben Esau. That's why we use this specific Lashon. But all of those guys are going in the same direction. It's Rashi, the Ramban, the Ibn Ezra, Rav Victor Miller. They're all saying it's a 70 Zikanim, Nadav and Aviyu, those are the people. Not like Targum Yonason, Targum Unculus, who calls them Ravravi, and the people that were the Bechors, the firstborn of Yisrael. Number three, Targum Yonason says it's only referring to Nadav and Aviu. Atzile ben Esau, the strongest people of ben Esau, is not the Zikanim. The strongest people of ben Esau were just Nadav and Aviu, Aaron's two great sons. They should have died, again, as we'll see later on, because of what they did. But HaKadosh Baruch didn't want anyone to die on that day. And they died instead on the eighth day of the Miluim, which again, we'll talk about a little bit later. That's because HaKadosh Baruch is Mindaktek Imat Sadikim Ad Chut Hasaira, even for very small infractions. Now, 
even according to Targumonasan, there still is a Medishtanchuma that Rashi quotes in the previous Rashi, in which he says that the Zakanim died as well. They died during Tavera. Tavera Parzvaloscha. That's when a bunch of people had a bunch of Taivas, and in the end, Tavera is the burning that happened. There, the Zakanim died over there. Though the Venavia were before, right? That's the idea behind it. The Chsam Sofer explains it was only at that point that we understood why these men did what they did. One might think, this is how the Chsam Sofer puts it, that maybe they ate and drank out of Kiddush and happiness for what they experienced, which we'll see later on. But from the episode that we see later on where there were Taivas and they were involved, it seems that they just had tremendous desires, and therefore the Zakanim died at that point at Tavera. That's the idea behind it. All that is our three answer. That's our third answer. The fourth answer is a little complicated. The fourth answer, who these people were, is a very complicated answer. The Abarbanel says it's not referring to the Zakanim in the previous Pasuk. The previous Pasuk, the ones that saw Hashem in the word Vayiru is said by them, are the Zakanim and Nodav and Aviyu and whoever it was. That was Vayiru. Vayechazu, that Sile B'nei Yisrael, are the Roshe Hamatos, the heads of each tribe. They stood at the bottom of the mountain. They were not Zoha to prophesy, like Nadav and Aviyu and Aaron in the 70s of Canaan. They were not on the same level, but they were still greater than the rest of the Am around them. They received a lower level Nevuah called Achizayon. Aaron, Nadav, Aviyu, and the Zakanim received a Re'iyah. They saw something. They still weren't on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu had an experience. But they were able to experience a Re'iyah. And these people experienced the Chizayon. The rest of the people got nothing at all. They knew something was going on. They just couldn't describe it in words and didn't see anything. But these people, the Atzilim, the other great people, says the Abarbanel, received a very, very low-level Nevuah known as Achizayon. And that's Vayechazu Esualukim. That's what they saw. Now the Malbim explains this as well. And he says, again, the same thing. The Zekanim is the previous Pusik. They're the ones that saw God. They're the ones that had the Re'iyah of God. That Selim are the people that tried to prepare themselves for this moment. They knew that Harsina was going to be different than anything they'd experienced before. And they did whatever they could do. The Zekanim were able to get to a level where they were able to see beyond anything. And that's Bayiru. These people were not able to get to that level, either because their level of Kedusha was not that great, or their preparation method was not as great. And whatever it was, they were great men, but they could only see to the level that they were given, Vayechazu, a lower level than what others could handle. That's the idea behind it. The Zakanan came to the point where after they saw what they saw, they felt no need to eat and drink. They were like Moshe Rabbeinu for 40 days and 40 nights, did not eat or drink. Those Zakanan at the end were like, wow, that's crazy. There was no need for them to eat or drink. But these people, says the Malbim, these at Sea Laban Israel, who are Roshe Matos, the heads of the tribes, who were still great, could still eat and drink afterward. And therefore, they saw a low-level Nevuah, they still had to eat or drink. They weren't on the level of the Zakanim, and they certainly weren't on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu, but they were higher than the level of the rest of the people. That's how the Malbim puts it, extremely similar to the Abarbanel. Rav Hirsch, the Ksava Kabbalah, seems like a 
you know, late 1800s thing, they seem to say the exact same thing. The closer you were to the mountain, and that was the Zikadim, Nadav, Aviyu, Aaron, and Moshe, they had bigger visions. The further away you were, the closer you were, you got something, but it was still only a Chizayon, an inner vision, he calls it, Rav Hirsch calls it, that were not raised up beyond their normal senses. Now, the only one that says it a little bit different is Tzor HaMor, who kind of precedes everyone but the Abarbanel, and the Tzor HaMor says it a little bit different. He says the Atzile B'nei Yisrael were the firstborn, combining Pshat number four with Pshat number one. The Na'arim, who brought Korbanos. That was that. Those were the Atzile B'nei Yisrael. Nadav, Abiyu, and the Zikanim were the first people. They were the people who were unbelievably great, and they received a tremendous, tremendous Nebuah right over there. These guys, again, they received a low-level Nebuah. So again, he's like combining what the Abarbanel was saying or what the Malbam is saying together with the first shot of Targum Unkelos and saying, yeah, it is referring to the Bechors, not the Rashi Amatos, the Bechors, but those Bechors received a certain level that they were able to get to, and that's that. But it could be, says the Torah more, that the Zikane were around. These people achieved an awareness of Hashem, which is great. That means, again, that you know that God exists. There's absolutely no doubt in your mind. There's no spakos. There's absolutely nothing in your mind. But that's the idea behind it. All of that is referring to who these people were. Now, you want, you might wonder at the, the Pusik itself. Is this a praise of them or not a praise of them? After all, the last shot that we just gave seems to say that they were still on the level that they had to eat or drink. That's not in a very high level. But is this praising these people? These people were awesome. They got a vision of God. Or is this more like muster? against them. What exactly was it? Now the Sforno says this is absolutely a praise. In a normal situation, when a Navi receives his Nevuah, this is mentioned by the Rambam in Hilchus Yisodiyat Torah, it's mentioned by Derech Hashem in Chela Gimel when he goes through the process of Nevuah. When a Navi receives a Nevuah, Maureen Nevucham talks about this, the Rambam as well, right? In normal situations, the Nevi'im lose their senses completely. They have no idea what's going on around them. They cannot attach themselves to the physical they are completely in a different place where they can't even move their limbs on their own. They almost go into like a, a, a level of shock where something happens and their physical bodies are detached from their minds and they're able to get the message that they're supposed to have. Yechezkel describes it as having the hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu upon him. The hand of Hashem. Notice the wording of our Pasuk, right? And all of his senses were nullified to the nevuah that he was receiving. When Shoah HaMelech received possibly his first Nebuah. We don't know if this is his first Nebuah, if he really was a Navi before. But when Shaul and Alec received a Nebuah, the only Nebuah that we see him receiving, he took off all of his clothes. He was arum, naked. And although literally he was not naked completely, Chas Shalom to say that the king of Klau Yisrael was sitting around naked having a Nebuah, although there are already shown him that say that, Shaul and Alec had lost all of his senses to the point where he, it didn't matter what he was wearing at the time. He took off his kingly robe, he wanted to be with the Nebuah forever, there was a band of Nevi'im that he connected himself with when he was chasing after David Amalek, and somehow he was there, and he took up everything. Again, not in an inappropriate way, but as if he's gone. These Atzilim, says the Sforno, did not have that experience. They got a Nevoah, and it was an awesome Nevoah. It was an amazing Nevoah, an experience that we cannot imagine, an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. But they retained their body functions as if 
they were speaking with someone next to them. Their nevuah was still as clear as it could be. That's the awesomeness of these people, says this forno. They received a nevuah. Yes, they got one. But they weren't like other Nadim that lost their senses. They could recognize. They could see their hands. They recognized their bodies. They knew where they were standing. That is something, says this forno, that makes them absolutely amazing. The Rosh Palm also says that this is an honor for them. They saw something that others had never seen. And even other people around them couldn't see. They could turn around to the Ami Aratzim that were sitting next to them and said, do you experience this? Do you know what's going on? And they couldn't. They just couldn't get what they were seeing. And it's because of a special crisis of bris that HaKadosh Baruch was doing for Klai Yisrael and they were the recipients of it. They're not talking about who it was. It could have been any of the four answers we gave above. But the point is that they got something that was a little bit different. The Rabbi Yol says clearly it was an Avua vision that they were allowed to see with Ruach HaKadosh and that's by Yechazu. It's clearly a praise of these men. And the Ramban also says this was never meant to be a punishment. They deserved to see what they saw. Kaddish Baruch Hu allowed them to see what they saw. He knew they wouldn't be able to see it and they would, might try to go a little bit further and try to see a little bit more causing destruction. Had others done this, they probably would have. They would have tried to see further. They would have tried to probe a little bit deeper into the vision that they were seeing. But these people were satisfied with what they saw. They felt no need to go any further. They didn't destroy their minds by trying to take a step further than what they could and therefore it is an absolute praise. They are amazing men. They saw God. They knew what they, 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 they knew what their limitations were. They stayed where they were and it's an awesome idea behind it. But it's clear from a lot of other Rishonim that they did do something wrong and they were eventually punished. Rashi said that very clearly. They're not punished now but they're going to be punished later. What exactly did they do to deserve such a punishment? What was wrong? So Rashi says that they were staring at the images that a Kaddish Baruch who gave them at Har Sinai with a fat heart while eating and drinking out of gaiva, which does not befit the honor of Hashem. Now, we spoke last week about the concept of the idea of seeing something, a vision that Hashem wanted them to see, and then thinking maybe we should make intermediaries that are based on the visions that we saw. Kaddish Baruch Hu appeared to them as a strong warrior at Kriya Samsov. Kaddish Baruch Hu appeared to them as an old man at, at Matan Torah. And Chas Shalom, that is not a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's a vision that they pictured in the head. When you think of God, what do you think of? Of, and because we have an impossibility of understanding what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is, we have no idea. The best we can come up with is something that's so weak, it's a human being in a human being form in some way, shape, or form. That's the idea. That's all we can do. We can't go any further than that. Rashi is telling us he knew, right, again, they stared at those images, they saw these things, and because they did it in a fat-hearted way, in other words, with a bit of gaiva, a bit of ego, a bit of pride, like, look what I'm able to do, that's why they were punished. And Elsewhere, Rashi calls it frivolousness. He calls it late sunness. They acted as if they were talking to other people. It's like talking to a king with your mouth full. Literally, with your mouth full. You have your whole time, you're like, all right, your majesty, I think we should... That's not the way you talk to a king. And because they acted as if, vayochlu vayishtu, like taking a bowl of soup, like, this is amazing. Matan Torah is great. And because they were doing that, that's what they get punished for. That's not how you allow a king to talk to you, let alone you talk to a king. That's how Rashi puts it. There's an amazing Gemara in Brachos. It's in Dav Yud Zayinam and Aleph, in which Rav used to say, this world is not like the next world. There's no eating. There's no drinking in the next world. There's no puravu. There's no jealousy. There's no business. There's no hatred. There's no competition. That's all in the next world. Rather, what happens? That Tzadikim sit and rest with crowns as they're on their heads as they benefit from the Ziv HaShchina, the glory of the Shechina itself. And he learns it from this Pasuk. 
all of that is a tefillah from Rav. Lo kolam haze olam haba. And that's all in that Gemara over there. He used to say that every day. I don't know if it's Margulah Bapume, they used to say it all the time, or if it's part of his tefillah. But that's there in that Gemara. That's the Gemara that brings up what we say, like Elokainet sword, Elokainet Shama is in there, right? We have all the different tefillos that people used to say, right? It's all in that Gemara. It goes through, and that's what Rav used to say. There, in Brachos, Rashi says that they drank in the Shechina by staring at it. It felt good for them to do so. They felt like they were literally drinking in the Shechina. And that's why Yochel Yishtu. They were eating and drinking means they literally took it in as if it was a part of them. Or Achaim HaKadr says, staring at the Shechina benefited them to the point where it was as if they were eating and drinking. And again, that seems like what Rashi was saying up above. They felt full and healthy after seeing the Shechina as if they ate a great meal. It's not that they literally ate the Achaim HaKadr saying. And it seems the same way from Rashi. It's not that they were literally eating. It felt like they had just had a great meal. They sat down after a big meal at Milk's, you know, they patted their tummies and they're just like, wow, that was pretty darn amazing. I can't believe how good of a meal that was. They didn't eat anything. It just felt as good as it was. The Rabbeinu B'chaya speaks about this at length. It's a very long Rabbeinu B'chaya. And he says, he quotes a medrash saying this is called Mazon Hanefesh. It's as if your soul is getting satisfied, which you can only describe with our limited senses as eating and drinking. And again, the same basic idea that Rashi and the Orachim HaKadosh are saying. They weren't eating and drinking literally. It was as if they were doing that. The difference is that eating and drinking in this world can be felt temporarily and then it's gone forever. The eating and drinking in the next world is something that you feel forever. It never goes away. You can always recall that moment. You can always bring that back into your mind and say to yourself, oh my gosh, do you remember that? As opposed to dinner tonight, I don't know if I could remember the sense of me eating. I think my wife made like those pizza puff things. Like, I don't know if I can remember what they tasted like. I know they're here somewhere, right? But I have no idea what they actually tasted like. This is something that you could taste forever. And that's how the Rabbeinu B'chaya puts it. The Nitziv says the exact same thing. This is an intense spiritual experience, he calls it, in which they felt a Kaddish Baruch Hu's closeness to them and they had no taiva for anything else. They had no taiva. The issue was that they went too far. And the way the Nitziv puts it is they kept staring. They filled themselves up after they were already full. You know, always said before, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu was sure they wouldn't look any further than they needed to. And that's what he said according to the Ramban. He knew that they wouldn't look any further than Nitziv is going the exact opposite direction. They did. They did stare. They did look further. They did try to get as far as they could. They probed as far as they could. And for that, that's like eating and drinking after you're full. And that's our way of describing it and that was the punishment. That all of those Rishonim and Achronim, the Nitziv, the Rabbin Abachai, the Orachim HaKadosh and Rashi are all in the same basic direction like that Kamar and Brachos Yedzayin that it's as if it was going on. Now to explain that a little bit further we have an Orachim HaKadosh. The Orachim HaKadosh says it's possible that that's what it means by Lo Sholach Yado. God did not send out His hand. What weird wording. God didn't send out His hand to do what? What was the hand going to do? What was the idea of the hand that we represented over here? So when Moshe Rabbeinu, as we all know, when Moshe Rabbeinu and Parski Sisa asked to see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, allows him to go inside a cave and opens a little hole. And it says that he put his hand down on that hole. Now, these are all words of the Pusik. Obviously, it's not exactly what it means. There is no hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then he said, When I remove my hand, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Then you can see my back. You can't see my front. 
right? Because that would be impossible. You wouldn't be able, but you could see my back. And we all know the Medrash, the, the Gemara and Baruchos said, Moshe Rabbeinu was able to see the back of the tefillin of a Kaddish Baruch whatever that means. The point of tefillin being Klau Yisrael and everything, whatever. They saw that. But it's clear that the hand of a Kaddish Baruch when it's put down, limits a person from what they're able to see. When you remove the hand, that means you're able to see whatever you want. You're able to see something a little bit further. The way the Orachim HaKadosh puts this over here, he says, it sounds like that these people are so chashuv, <coughs> excuse me, he was allowing them to see something that they normally would never be able to see. And they did. They saw what we call beneath his feet. And that's the previous passage. Live Nasa Sapir. If you're wondering what that means, that's in a previous year. You'd have to go to a couple of years. I, mean, I don't remember when I said it. I think it was 57, 78, maybe 2018. I don't remember. But they saw something. When they began to look a little bit further, says Orachim HaKadosh, because remember, he undid his hand. When they began to look a little bit further, right, that's the Ziva Shechina, the glory of the Shechina, which they were not allowed to look at, and they went a bit too far. He then says, one should not ask the question, well, wait a second, how does that make sense? Moshe Rabbeinu was blocked not to see it, right? He put his hand over him so you wouldn't see. But the Zikanim, he didn't put out his hand, lo shalach yado, and he allowed them to see. Why in the world would you send out your hand, right, to prevent Moshe from seeing something, but not prevent the Zikanim from seeing something? And the Orachim HaKadu says something amazing, which I thought was unbelievably obvious, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was on the level where if you allowed him to, his abilities would allow him to see so much more than anybody else. You give a brilliant genius, a savant of some sort, the ability to work on something, and he'll take it up level, 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 level. But if you give somebody who's just normal, like somebody like me, and you give them a math problem, I'll be able to understand like one little level and that's that. Moshe Rabbeinu will be able to get all this, and I will only be able to get that. So the muscle is this. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu covered up the Zikanim, they wouldn't see anything. They wouldn't be able to achieve anything. Their level of Nebuah would have been so low it wouldn't be there. He had to open them up. However, opening them up allowed them to see this. They couldn't get any further. They wouldn't get any further. They might probe and try to get further, but they won't. Their abilities aren't there. But most Rabbeinu, on the other hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even covering them up would get to over here. If he would open up his hand, Moshe Rabbeinu would achieve way more. And that would make him die. And that's the idea of seeing Hashem's face, so to speak. Says the Orachim HaKadosh, you couldn't open it up for Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu would have gone too far. But you could for the Zikanim. The Zikanim, even if they wanted to, they couldn't go too far. And that's an awesome piece from the Orachim HaKadosh. The Degel Machna Fine talks about this. The Panim Yafos talks about this. They all talk about this idea that the Orachim says. The Degel Machna Fine says it really, really quickly. But that's that. Now the Kleyakr, on the other hand, again, that's one way of like holding down the hand and allowing them to see something but not everything, etc. All of that is the Orachim HaKadosh, all based on that idea that we said in Rashi. The Kleyakr, on the other hand, says they were just like Moshe Rabbeinu in a way. There was something that was great about these Zikanim. There was something amazing. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu was able to go many days without eating or drinking, they were able to do the same because of the Ziva Shechina that they had experienced, making them different, again, from the rest of Klai Yisrael. The rest of Klai Yisrael, they were able to get into a meal afterward. Moshe Rabbeinu did not need to eat pretty much for the rest of his life. These Zikanim, because of the experience that they had and what they saw, what HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed them to see, allowed them to say, we don't need to eat or drink for quite a while now. 
they, so to speak, were satisfied, and this is what Rashi was saying, he's just taking it a little bit further, they were satisfied with food because they saw the Shekhinah. And from then, they decided, oh, so we don't need to drink or eat at all. Now, there was a major difference between them and Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu's Nevoah was called Yad Hashem. A little bit different from the Orachayim HaKadosh. It's the closest thing that you could possibly get to. There is absolutely no way you can involve yourself with physical activities. You have to take off both of your shoes to experience what Moshe Rabbeinu had. You have to be away from one's wife to experience what Moshe Rabbeinu had, which is not a level that we expect any other Navi to do other than Moshe Rabbeinu. We do not expect abstinence, being away from one's wife, aside from Moshe Rabbeinu. It's Miriam's issue. What made Moshe Rabbeinu different? It's what she spoke Lash and Har about. She could not understand why Moshe Rabbeinu was different, but he was. He was different in his abilities and everything that he had. He was able to get to a tremendous level. There's the Canaan and Nadav and Avihu and Aram were on a crazy high level, on an unbelievably high level. They were Ne'etzal from the Ruach of Akarishpa of Moshe Rabbeinu. They were able to get something but they still could use their physical senses and were expected to use their physical senses. When they didn't, and they said, you know what? Our eating and drinking is represented by the Shechina, and they enjoyed the Shechina, and that became their meal. They didn't eat afterward. They didn't drink afterward. They thought they were on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's when they made a mistake. And then he says the difference between Aspaklaria Hamaira and Sha'ina Meira. A clear vision like Moshe Rabbeinu had, and an unclear vision that everybody else has. And a clear vision, you're not attached to the Homer afterward. There's no attachment to the physicality. You can't sit down and eat chalin afterward. That just can't happen. Aspaklaria Sha'ina Meira, you could. You have the ability to. You can connect to the physical world around you. You can be with the physical world around you. That's the way that the Kleyaka puts it. He says that's the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu, the sun. Think of the sun, guys. The sun gives off its own radiation, its own light. It's able to radiate on its own. It doesn't need any help from anything else. It is the sun. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. There is nothing else necessary for that. He's on a level where he can experience everything and be that everything. And Yoshua, who is a moon, a moon is a reflection. It's able to take the light from somewhere else and reflect it back. That's the Aspaklaria She'enam Ira. Moshe Rabbeinu was entirely Ruchnius. Yoshua was still connected to the physical. In fact, Yoshua may not have even gotten married until he became a Navi, which is super interesting. We only see that he married Rachav Azona. We don't see anyone else who Yoshua married. The Gemara Megillah tells us he married Rachav Azona. He met Rachav Azona when he had 28 years to the end of his life. He was 82 maybe 83, when he met Rachav Azona. We see no other wife of Yoshua, no other kids. We only have daughters from Rachav. But that's all we see of Yoshua. He got married at 82, or maybe 83. That's a very, very strange thing. And according to another measure, 93 or 94, depends on how long he was king over Kleisel, 28 years or 18 years, 16 years, etc. But regardless, this is a very, very strange thing. He was connected to the, to the world. He took off one shoe in the Malach Solomon Perakei in Yoshua. But he was still connected to the world, unlike Moshe Rabbeinu. And that means that these that came him, when they decided, we're not going to eat, this is our food, this is our drink, they went too far. That's not for you, said HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's for Moshe Rabbeinu, on his level of Nebuah. And what they do, right, that, that, that's not for you to do. 
That's not for your people. And that's why Nadin Aviu had to pass away, why the Zikinim had to pass away later. They tried to take it too far. They thought they were equal to Moshe Rabbeinu. They thought they were experiencing something they weren't. And that's why, unfortunately, they were, it was above their pay grade. It was something above where they were at and what they didn't want to do. Okay. The next thing is super interesting. The Balaturim says that food and drink is what causes people to do some things that they would never otherwise do. Here's the reason why. Food is filled with different types of sparks of Kedusha and sparks of Tuma. There's Klipos in every bit of food, right? There's also, obviously, Kedusha in every bit of food, right? There are things within the food that cause you to want to do X, Y, and Z. The way that science would say it is, there are vitamins, there are minerals that in, that's in the food. Some of it you can expel from your body, but some of it stays in. And that food that stays inside and goes throughout your entire body does affect you. It's why we tell you to stay away from not kosher food, because not kosher food has the ability to affect your brain, your heart. You can't think properly. And if you can't think properly, you can't make the right decisions. You can't make the right decisions. What do you expect from yourself. That's exactly why we say to be careful. That's why people are so careful about eating only Yashin, not Chadash. Why they're so careful about things that are Chal of Yisrael versus Chal of Stam. Is it kosher? Yes, there are ways, there are Heterim, there are ways of getting around, but the reason why they're so careful is because if you want a pure mind that has the ability to think through things the way you want to think through to understand the higher concepts of what a Kaddish Prophet was trying to tell you, then you can't get into all that stuff. That's exactly what it says. Shari Kedusha for Chaim Vital in Chalik Beis Shindalid says that Moshe Rabbeinu was only Zohar to receive the Torah because he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Elio Anavi and the great Tanayim were only able to become the people that they were because they fasted so much. Shlomo Malach and more. And that's what a person needs to become great. Says Rakhine Vital. It's about the fasting. And again, that's not for our world. That's not for us. We're never going to be those types of people. But that's the idea to tell oneself that that's what he has to work on, on the food itself. Rav Schwab says it certainly seems from the Rishon and themselves that the issue was that they weren't eating entirely L'Shem Shemayim. They loved it. They were enjoying it. And again, no one can blame them. This was the most awesome experience that anyone has ever experienced. The highest level of Nebu you can get to aside from Moshe Rabbeinu was what these men experienced on Har Sinai, what they saw. But there was a little bit of an aspect of L'Shem Shemayim missing. And that's comparable to the idea of eating and drinking. He brings up the toast and chulin. Kaddish Baruch Hu does not allow a tzaddik to sin when it comes to food. A tzaddik would never eat something that's even questionably kosher. So Hashem won't let him eat something that's questionably kosher. And that's the idea. When it comes to eating, when someone does so, L'Shem Shemayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu won't allow anything bad to happen. These people, for whatever reason, these tzaddikim, did not do that, and therefore they were affected. There's another... Uh, like a whole bunch of Rishonim that say a totally different idea over here. Like, for example, the Ibn Ezra, the Rashbam, the Daz, the Kenim, and the Sforno all say that they were so happy when they came down the mountain. These people, after they experienced the vision that they saw, they were so happy, they decided to have a huge meal celebrating what they just experienced. They brought Korban Shlomim peace offerings to Hashem, and they decided to have a massive, massive meal. They brought good drinks. They had all this stuff together. Unlike Moshe Rabbeinu, who was able to go the next 40 days and nights without eating a thing, they experienced what they experienced and decided to have a seum afterward, to have a meal afterward. And that's what it means. By when they saw Kaddish Baruch when it was over, said the Zakan, we have to make a meal. Let's take a meal together. We're going to sing and dance and praise the Kaddish Baruch And all of these Yishonim say that was the right thing to do. They're not like Rashi that they're punished for it later on. This was the right thing to do. Like the Kohen Gadol after Yom Kippur. He finishes the Avoda. Everything's all done. What, is the, what does the Kohen Gadol do? He goes to his house and he makes a massive party. 
And that's what everybody does. Everybody joins them. And Motzi, Yom Kippur, they break the fast together at the Kohen Gadol's house with a party the same way that they just did this over here. The Bechor Shor, the Rabbeinu Bechayad, Rechaim Paltiel, they say that when a Kaddish Baruch who first appeared to them at Harsinai, they thought they were going to die. Remember that whole thing? They died and they were brought back to life. That's Chiyas Mesim. They mamish thought they were going to die, similar to Manoach and Saul Ponis' wife, who thought they were going to die when they first met a Malach. When nothing happened to them, they were so happy, they made a meal to celebrate. Again, the first shot is, they made a meal because they were so happy with what they experienced. This shot is, they made a meal because they were so happy they didn't die. But the idea is still the same way. Vayochlu vayishtu is physical eating and drinking. It is a definition of eating and drinking after they did what it was. And a Kaddish Baruch who didn't prevent them, Hashem said, you can do that. Targum Onkulus and Yonasan both say that they were experiencing the korbanos that they brought that day. I'm not sure I totally understand that because the korbanos were brought on Dalit Sivan, they weren't brought now. Maybe on Hay Sivan, according to some Rishonim. Maybe if you go with the Ramban that this is all talking about after Arsina, maybe that's what it's referring to. Regardless, it's an interesting thing over here. The Ramban talks about right over here, Rabbi Yechiel Mechel Feinstein asked something on the Ramban. But either way, the Ramban says, this is where we learn the concept of making a Siyam after finishing something, making a kiddish when trying to remember something great. You want to do something. Somebody called me up the other day and said, it wasn't like a, like a crazy situation, but it was freezing cold outside. I remember a couple weeks ago and it was freezing cold outside because Chicago weather. So like it was freezing cold. His son got dropped off. His six-year-old son got dropped off four blocks away from his house. He usually gets dropped off right in front of the house. The bus driver made a mistake, dropped him off four blocks away from the house, and the kid somehow made his way home without any issues. Six-year-old kid in freezing cold temperatures. Remember, it was like zero, negative, whatever it was. Freezing cold temperatures made it home. So he called me up and he said, should I bench Gomo? And I said, no, we don't bench Gomo for something like that. Baruch Hashem, he made it home. I said, go to Minyan tomorrow morning, go to Shacharis, and bring a bunch of, you know, whatever cakes and stuff. And make people make brachas. Everybody should make a bracha, right? And that should be in honor of a Kaddish Baruch Hu giving you a tremendous tova, a tremendous chesed. That's what we do. It's the same way that we go around on a person's yurt we give a little thing of schnapps and we say to people, make a bracha, macha bracha, shahakol niya bidvaro, right? And make a brena fashos. And we say that bracha in the honor of the person who passed away. We do things because we're Jews. We do everything with food. So everything has to do with food in some way, shape, or form. So we do it with food itself. Says Ramban, it's learned from here, from the Zakanim, that they experience what they experience by yochlu vayishtu. They ate and they drank. That's where it comes from. Shira Shiram Rabbah, right? Says in Aleph Tas, Shlomo Melech made a huge feast after he filled the, finished the base of Mikdash. He made it on Yom Kippur. He finished the base of Mikdash. It was in Tishrei. They didn't fast that Yom Kippur. They celebrated that Yom Kippur. And there was no sins, nothing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was maskim to them eating for 14 days straight in honor of the new Beis HaMikdash, the Chanukah Sabayis. He could have done it any other time. He could have pushed it off a little bit, but they finished. He said, we're ready. We're doing this. He made massive meals every day, including Yom Kippur, because that's the right thing to do. All based on this idea right over here. That's the idea of the Chiyuv in Simcha right over here. The only question on this, on all of these Roshonim is, is why is that only the Atzilei B'nai Yisrael? Meaning, it says the Atzilei B'nai Yisrael experienced it, and then they ate and they drank. Only they were chayev to eat and drink? Wouldn't everybody be chayev to eat and drink? It wasn't just the Atzilim, it should be all of Klal Yisrael. So why is it only the Atzilim who made the party? 
Why does only the Atsilim who made the Suda? And I don't have a good answer for that. I, I, I don't have a great answer for that. I could answer it. I could say, like, no, the Atsilim refers to all of Bnei Yisrael. But that's not like any of the Rishonim. And I don't understand why it would only be them and not anybody else. There's a Kedusha Slavi, what he says straight out. A person is chayiv to enjoy his Avodah Sashem as if he is eating and drinking and praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if he does so, that's where the meal comes into play. There's an Achpri Tvuna that also says you'll stay away from Averus, etc. There's a Ksav Sofer that talks about this. And our last thing over here is the Oznayim Torah. This is a bigger piece. It goes all the way through. And I'm going I'm to start with the story because I don't have that much time. It's Sipuri Chazid in page 226. Rapin Chaz some say it was the Morei Naim, was once doing a bris mila. He couldn't get the blood to stop. All of a sudden, Rav Zusha from Hanipol showed up. If anybody knows Rav Zusha, he is the greatest of the great greats, right? There is nobody like Rav Zusha from Hanipol. He shows up, right? He commanded everyone to make a Sudas mitzvah. He said, sit down, he told everybody. Eat and drink. They did so, and the blood stopped. Rav Benchaz obviously didn't understand. He told them the source of this idea is from our Pasuk. Vayechazu Elohim... When you see Midas Adin, Elohim is the Midas Adin of HaKadosh Baruch, you see something bad happening, Vayochlu Vayishtu. Eat and drink, and that'll sweeten the Midas Adin. Isn't that unbelievable? When Reb Zusha was sick, he would send a message to the base manager and ask them to have a meal in his honor. And he said, that would make me feel better. And not only that, I think the idea of that, and some say this is what Esther did with her pseudos as well. What do you do when the Jews need something big? You make a pseudo. But the Jews couldn't eat. They were fasting for 72 hours. She had Haman and Akashverosheet. She made a pseudo. That's what we do. The pseudo is the way to be able to get that out. Meseches Sofran. <coughs> Excuse me. Parakov Aleph says that Avraham was the giant of the world. Every day, he would eat the same amount of 74 men. Now guys, unless Avramina was massively huge. What in the world is he eating the amount of 74 men for? What is he doing? He was like stuffing it in? Like what is that? 74 men is also very exact. The Vilna Gon, as only the Vilna Gon can do, says there are different levels of Achila when it comes to Kedusha. Meister Shani has to be eaten in Yerushalayim. Truma has got to be eaten by Kohanim. Kachim Kalim have to be eaten in Yerushalayim. All these different things, right? Even the meal that Shlomo Melech made for the construction of the base Mikdash, as we said, could be eaten on Yom Kippur. The highest level, the highest level of eating and drinking was the meal eaten by the Zakanim when they came down the mountain after experiencing what they experienced. There were 70 Zikanim. Nadav, Avihu, Aaron, who am I missing? And Moshe. And that's the 74. When Avramino experienced, when he ate a meal, it was on the same level as the 74 men after they came down from the mountain and they had their meal by Yochlu Vayishtu. The level of that meal was the same thing that Avram had at every meal of his own. That was the level that he was on to be able to get to that idea of to be able to go there. And that's how the Vilna Gon explains that Gemara that Avram was eating the equation of 74 men. I'm just going to run through this, guys. And I know, Shlomo, I know you have a question. Just You'll get me afterward. You know, Zayim Latora says that Moshe needed to eat something before he went up the mountain for the 
the next 40 days. He had to eat something. These great men joined in for the meal, meaning there was a meal and Moshe was involved. It wasn't just the Zikadim and it wasn't the wrong thing to do. Moshe had to eat something to prepare himself. Eliyahu also did the same. He ate the Ugos Ritzfa, right, that was given to him by the Malach before he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, right? They didn't want to eat, but they felt that they had to. It's sort of like Shalash Shodas in the winter, right? You just do what you need to do and somehow you find room for Jello and everything's fine. That's the idea of exactly what they did. Tom Vidas says they did not need to eat or drink at all, but they felt it was the right thing to do at the time. It's the right thing to do and therefore they went in and do it. Ramosha Feinstein said these th- these people were on the level of Shem Shemaim. We mentioned a parish before that they weren't L'Shem Shemaim and that was the problem. They were L'Shem Shemaim. Everything they did was L'Shem Shemaim and that's why it's so important to do Avodah Hashem with that L'Shem Shemaim aspect. That's what these people were doing. Where Victor Miller says this is real precious. You know what real precious is? When even your eating and drinking is a source of Avodah Hashem. It's easy. I, I don't mean to say it this way because it's not. But what Victor Miller is saying, it's easy to fast for Hashem. It's much, much harder to eat for Hashem. Way harder. If you want to have an easy precious, you say, I'm fasting for a Kaddish Baruch, I feel like I, I, I'm not going to eat, said a Kaddish Baruch. But if you take a bite and every bite of food is thank you Hashem, and every bite of food is L'Shem Shamayim, and you're not doing it at a taiva or anything else that's out there, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Hashem needs me to have this strength to go on. And that's why you're eating and drinking. That is the highest level of precious. The highest level of precious of staying away from things in this world. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And that's what these people are doing over here. The Ksav Sofer quotes his father, the Ksav Sofer, and he says, eating L'Shem Shemaim is so difficult, it's a bigger mitzvah than fasting L'Shem Shemaim. Similar to this idea from Revig Dermel. The Parties Yosef says, it's like Yom Kippur versus Purim. Yom Kippur, I don't want to say this because I know it, for us it's not the same. Yom Kippur is easy in comparison to doing Purim correctly. Purim correctly with the suit of Purim, that is not an easy thing to accomplish. But if you do accomplish it, if you do it in the right way, you will accomplish way more. And that's what it means by kola poshit yad, right? If you're poshit yad on Purim, you can get anything you want. If you do what's the right thing on Purim, you will get absolutely everything you want. That's the idea behind it. So I guess if we wanted to summarize everything that we just did, guys, it's the following. It's that who were these great atzilim? We've got four answers all together. We have the four answers of what each person was supposed to be over here. The idea of First, the way we said is this is a praise of them. Then we said afterward it might be a punishment for them, the way that Rashi said. And then the idea of what food and drink can do for any person in any situation if treated properly. We'll stop with that, guys. Have a great Shabbos.